Welcome to the I Got Happy Podcast, where we interview highly successful executives, experts, and entrepreneurs, and learn how they have found success where happy meets purpose. Hello, everyone. This is Dr. Pillay with the I Got Happy Podcast, and it's my pleasure to introduce you to leadership expert and environmentalist, Joshua Spodek. Joshua, how are you doing today? I'm doing very well and glad to be here. All right. It's a, it's a real pleasure to have you today because, you know, you are a multiple TEDx speaker. You're a best-selling author of the book Initiative. Want to hear all about that. But I want to hear about your unique angle and how the, the environment comes into play in your life, despite the fact that you're a PhD in astrophysics, my goodness, <laughs> you're all over the map. So first of all, tell us how you became Joshua Spodek. Well, how I became Joshua Spodek, you mean my, do you want me to start? The, I mean, I was born in Philadelphia. Uh-huh. Uh, my mom drove cars specifically on cobblestone streets to make me born faster. <laughs> <laughs> and which she tells me on my birthday sometimes. You know, I grew up really uh, geeky. Because I, I, you're talking about the environment. To me, that's science, nature. And I was always, I wasn't an environmentalist. I, I couldn't say I grew up calling myself an environmentalist. But I was always good at science and math. And as much as I tried to hide it because I would get picked on, and I wasn't the nerdiest kid in school, but no matter how much I moved away from physics and science, people could still tell. And I would get joked about and stuff like that. So, uh, and, you know, in, in physics, in, in, in college, eventually I said, look, I like it. Yeah. I don't care. <laughs> if, I, if, if I take a social hit, so be it. That's, that's the way it's going to be. I like the field. Mm-hmm. And I just said, you know, let's go full on into it. And that meant, you know, in that field, going full on means getting a PhD. Mm-hmm. And um, at first I wanted to do high energy particle physics. It's, I don't know how this is going to, I don't know how this sounds to other people. Yeah. <laughs> to me, that was like what I wanted to do. And it turned out that at my school, there was a guy who became my advisor who was working on a, on a satellite. Mm-hmm. And it was going to be a, the next generation of X-ray observational satellites. And in, in our world today, I have to point out, it was looking outward, yeah. not inward. So it wasn't like spying, right? It's like <laughs> looking at the cosmos. Okay. And... It happened. I, it was a great experiment. I mean, the people who, the other students who worked for this advisor, let's see if I can remember. I mean, one stayed at Columbia, one went to NASA, one went to Harvard, one went to either Caltech or Stanford. Mm-hmm. It was a great experiment, producing great results. Uh, but it, it wasn't, in the middle of my program, I realized the life of a researcher wasn't really the life that I wanted to do. Mm. And it's a lot of debugging. It's a lot of, you know, Years before, you could just get a, you could build something and detect something that no one had detected before. Mm-hmm. These experiments, it's like a dozen countries, a thousand researchers, maybe more. Mm-hmm. And if you want to move something, you might have to, it might take a year of writing proposals and things like that. Yeah. And to that move, wasn't. To move the needle. <laughs> yeah. And that's not what Einstein did. Yeah, he, he, he burned, he created the needle. <laughs> and, and he could do it himself. You know, it was, it, it was a different age. So um, I ended up leaving the field, but I was kind of stuck at the time. But I, you were asking about the environment. And to me, a lot of people think of physics. They think of like people in white lab coats. They think of, of technicians. They think mm-hmm. of, of um, 
uh, I don't know what they think of, mm. but to me, it was always the beauty of nature. Mm. There are other parts to it. I certainly like solving hard equations, mm -hmm. but there's, you know, they do these experiments. They put people in the fMRI machines mm -hmm. and they see that the part that lights up of the, of the mathematicians or the scientist's brain is the same that lights up when a, um, I don't know, a, a painter looks at a Monet. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that's what it was for me. It was, you can look at a flower and there's a certain beauty to it. Mm -hmm. If you know that the colors are a certain way because there's a certain insect or a certain bird that attracts it mm -hmm. and it evolved that way. And to me, there's levels of depth of, of, of appreciation of beauty. And that's always been this great appeal to me. Mm -hmm. And I can mm -hmm. look at a sunset and see what everyone else sees, but I can also think of why the chemicals in the environment, in the atmosphere happen to attenuate different colors at different rates and things like that. I don't want to get too confusing for people. Yeah. Yeah. But there's a more, I, I love that beauty. It, yeah. it, it, I mean, for you, I presume in your music, there's a beauty yeah. and I love it. You know, you know, it's interesting as, as you've pointed out, all of us have uh, different areas of things that make us happy, that make us come alive. And I always find it fascinating to hear about the stories and journeys of people who have come from vastly different places than myself and have arrived in similar places. So what's similar about you and I is we both are teachers. We teach learning, we, whether, you know, whether it's learning um, happiness uh, like I, I, I do or it's leadership and the environment like you do. Learning ends up being learning, right? So let's talk a little bit about your work in leadership and teaching um, you know, the environment. How did you arrive from your astrophysics background, of course, mm -hmm. to leadership as the thing that you are now a teacher of? There was a crisis point in graduate school uh -huh. when this realization hit me that I didn't want to keep doing this. I, I'd love the field, mm -hmm. but I didn't want to practice. And at the time, I looked out at the world and I thought, what can I do? What options are available to me? What can I do with a PhD in physics? Mm. And, and the, okay, one, I could keep doing it anyway. Yeah. I didn't want to do it, but I was prepared to do it. And as I mentioned, the credentials were there. Mm -hmm. I could go into industry, but in physics, that means military industrial complex. And I didn't go into physics to do that. Mm -hmm. So I could do it, but I didn't really want to. And then the next option was Wall Street, because a lot of physicists go into Wall Street. You know, mm -hmm. math, you know, computer science or programming, high pay, People would understand what I was doing. Yeah. Not what I wanted to do also. I'm not in this for money. And so I was really stuck. And I, like, I had three options available. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm going to jump at looking, at looking back now. Mm -hmm. The question of what can I do with a PhD in physics is a terrible question. It's a terribly counterproductive question because it narrows things down. Mm -hmm. yeah, I've learned now when I go in front of a group of people, especially like the McKinsey's and the Goldman Sachs types and the really high achieving people, mm -hmm. I can say that a lot of them feel similarly stuck. Mm. And I ask the question, you have more education, but you feel you have fewer options. Isn't that the opposite of what an education is for? Yeah. <laughs> and I was lucky. It was the mid nineties, mm -hmm. late nineties, I guess at the stage, mid nineties. And I had a couple of friends from college and everyone was talking entrepreneurship. I knew nothing of entrepreneurship. But they came to me and said, we're trying to think of something. We haven't thought of a company. Uh, uh, we haven't thought of an idea. Mm -hmm. You're pretty smart. Let's get together. Yep. 
And the original plan was to have some beers and see what happens. Yeah. You know, we meet regularly. Hey, hey, you have a PhD. Let's drink some beers and, and get rich. <laughs> yeah. Well, we were teammates in sports. So yeah. that was natural. Okay. And anyway, beer's fun. Mm-hmm. So um, along the way, I had the idea for what became our first business. And it was an optics thing that went, when you, well, the final result was we put boxes on the walls of subway tunnels. Uh-huh. And when the train would go by, Riders who looked outside the window would see what looked like a movie screen floating out by the subway car window. Mm-hmm. And so then I wrote a bunch of patents and we wrote the business plan and we got started. And that was a liberation for me that mm. I could create a future for myself, not simply get stuck on the three ruts that were ahead of yeah. me. Yeah. They were right the for some un- people, but not for me. Entrepreneurship uh, came beckoning, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And... It was, it, it woke everything up for me. Mm. Uh, of course, knowing how to solve differential equations doesn't help you start a company. So I had to learn a lot really fast and some things I learned and some things I didn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I did not learn. I had to learn on the, on the, in, in, in the process, the social and emotional skills, mm-hmm. but only so many. And then when the early 2000s recession came, we we'd grown really big. We were operating in, in Japan and Hong Kong and Europe and, and Mexico City. Mm-hmm. And it was really great. Mm-hmm. But then the recession came and we got hit hard. Wow. And in particular, when things are going great, your skills don't have to be so great. When things are going down, I didn't... There were lots of things. Yeah. Among them was I didn't really know how to conserve cash, but I didn't know how to keep a team together. Mm. And I didn't have the social emotional skills of really... If you want me to cry, I can tell you about the details of going down. <laughs> I mean, the company still exists. I got squeezed out by the investors mm. and it was a really brutal experience of loss of sleep and loss of friendships and mm. getting close to my mom. Uh, because when, when everyone's trying to get the last bit, yeah. no, no one's on anyone's side. And so my mom was on my side and she understood and that helped. Yeah. And ultimately I ended up back in business school or I went to business school because I wanted to, I wanted to that starting companies, building value mm-hmm. that no one else could. Yeah. And I didn't want my lack of skills to get in the way. Yeah. Now in business school, surprisingly, I was surprised to find that there were classes in leadership, mm. that there were classes in entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. And I did not know that. And I thought Martin Luther King was born that way. Mm-hmm. And if I had been, then I could do like that, but otherwise I couldn't. And this changed that because I, real, I learned that you could learn to lead. Yeah, leadership was a skill, not just a, a thing some people had and others didn't have, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. And now, years later, I looked back again and I realized I learned about leadership. They had me reading psychology papers and we do case studies, mm-hmm. case studies about other people's lives, not my own. Mm. So I'm not really facing the social and emotional challenges that I think you need to face mm-hmm. and overcome to learn the social and emotional skills. I think mm-hmm. academic practice doesn't teach you social skills. Mm. It teaches you academic skills, writing papers and, and analysis. Yeah. And, you know, the past, let's say I graduated in 2006, so it's about 13 and a half years. Mm-hmm. I've been learning how to teach actively and experientially project-based learning how to learn the social and emotional skills mm-hmm. of any type of relationship. I mean, mostly gets applied in business, but it's also any type of, any type of relationship. Mm-hmm. 
And that's been, you know, I've started a few companies since business school, mm -hmm. but they've come and gone, mm -hmm. but there's been this steady rise of this passion that I have of helping others discover and develop and refine these skills mm -hmm. that, I mean, I can safely say that nearly every relationship that I have today mm -hmm. is better than nearly any relationship I had before I started working on this stuff. Wow. And that's... <clears throat> The relationships are that is what life is, is is all about you know you know I, success I, and happiness yeah I, I really appreciate this idea of experiential learning um you know of course that's that's really if you think about my music for example or you think about the topic of happiness or leadership you can't learn those things unless you do them <laughs> right um tell us a little bit about the method of learning that 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 you you and I both really you know love which is this experiential process of helping people tangibly do the things that that then build the muscles in their brains or whatever right tell us about how you have landed there in this experiential learning uh, world i'm glad you i'm glad you used the term method i mean that's i presume that's from reading the book that okay after business school uh -huh. and as i was slowly learning how to teach this stuff mm -hmm. I used to like watching Inside the Actor's Studio. I don't know if you watch it. I love it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's De Niro and Pacino and Meryl Streep and all these, you know, and James Lipton. Mm -hmm. Something I noticed, and I was not intending to use this as a learning tool, mm -hmm. but I noticed that their social and emotional skills are off the charts. They're amazing. Yeah. They can, they can read you perfectly. They can express themselves very well. And the more that I watched, the more that I realized most of them mm -hmm. dropped out of school or were kicked out of school. And I had this weird conundrum, something I couldn't figure out, that they dropped out of school mm -hmm. and they had these skills off the charts. Mm -hmm. I had multiple Ivy League degrees. Even my professors of leadership didn't have skills like they did, not mm -hmm. even close. Mm -hmm. So how could I, how could I figure out this, this, this contrast that the people who are super well-trained didn't have the skills that people who dropped out did? Mm -hmm. And what I found out was that they didn't stop learning. They didn't stop their education. They had a different style of education. In acting, we now would call it method learning, mm -hmm. method, method acting. Mm -hmm. And I looked into it. How did they learn to act? Mm -hmm. And it's conservatory style. It's by learning by doing. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going into the details, but I took Meisner technique, which is one of the styles of, of that. Mm -hmm. And I learned, that, I learned the style that they learned from. And then actually, I... I came to see that that's how we teach all performance-based, active, mm -hmm. emotional, expressive, mm -hmm. performance-based fields, mm -hmm. social ones. You learn by doing. And what are they? There's like singing and playing a musical instrument. Mm -hmm. There's dance. Mm -hmm. There's acting. There's all the military. There's all sports. Mm -hmm. You always learn by doing these things. And there's leadership. And there's yes. even appreciation for the environment or even happiness and well-being all of yeah. these things are skills actually you know a lot of people i think make the mistake that um happiness is a feeling that they're going to wait for someday i'll get happy <laughs> you know after mm -hmm. everything else is successful but in fact if you learn by doing happiness right now that's what leads to your success so i i think that's kind of where you're going this learning by doing really is your method and it's it's what you've talked about in the book initiative tell us a little bit more about the book um, who it's uh, designed for, and how you actually help people uh, move forward in their lives with this book. 
the book is the book version of the course that I've been teaching at NYU for a while mm-hmm. and on my own and, and, and my coaching too. Mm-hmm. And what was missing were the specific exercises. What are the equivalent in, in music? If you want to play piano, you start with scales. Yes. After scales, you have simple pieces. After mm-hmm. simple pieces, complex pieces. Mm-hmm. And at the beginning, it sounds like the opposite of music to my mm-hmm. ears. Mm-hmm. That you say, this, the thumb goes on that key. Yeah. This finger goes on that key. This finger goes on that key. And do that a hundred times. Yeah. You're like, wait a minute. I want to play my heart out. This yeah. is, a robot can do this better. Yeah. <laughs> and yet, or you know, in, in tennis, it's you hit a lot of ground strokes. Mm-hmm. All forehands. Okay, now all backhands. Mm-hmm. You know, later you learn to approach the net. Later you learn the serve. Mm-hmm. And you might say, wait a minute, the serve that you begin the game with the serve. Shouldn't you start with that? Mm-hmm. No, the serve's really hard. You gotta work up to it. Mm-hmm. And and this almost magical thing happens that if you play the scales enough, mm-hmm. that you don't have to think of like what's this doing? Like I don't thinking how my tongue and lips are moving to talk. Yeah. But they do it perfectly. Yeah. Muscle memory, right? <laughs> yeah. And once that gets so automatic that it takes nothing, no amount of your brain, mm-hmm. then you can get to the next level. Mm-hmm. And maybe at that level, it's expressing what you see in the music. Mm-hmm. But if you keep going and keep going, keep going, keep going, eventually you can play your heart out in a way mm-hmm. that you can't in, if you don't do that. Mm-hmm. And what was missing in leadership, in my opinion, mm-hmm. was the scales. The ground strokes, mm. the boot camp mm-hmm. of what, or not boot camp, uh, basic training. Yeah, yeah. And that, you know, most people will, they'll see the first couple exercises and say, wait, this is too easy. Yeah. So is, you know, that. Yeah. But, you know, if you do it, if you don't do it enough, you don't realize that like the thumb is going to hit harder than the pinky finger. So you got to mm-hmm. play until you do it the way it's supposed to sound. Mm-hmm. And you got to, you got to do your repetitions. You got to practice the basics. Mm-hmm. And I, I believe that what I've created is the basics mm-hmm. of starting an entrepreneurial endeavor, but also more general than that. You know, you know, I want to jump in here because I get so excited hearing you talk about the difference between a, a scale, right? And then playing an entire musical piece. And you know, you know, what excites me about that is I've actually come to a belief, and this is something I'm expressing, you know, in my books and in the world, that there are two kinds of people. And I want to see what you think about this. The, the first kind of person does not believe that it's possible to actually go from a scale to playing, you know, like, like Prince or, or Michael Jackson. Like they just, they're, they're, they, they believe Michael Jackson or Prince were just born geniuses. Done. It's all nature. There's no nurture. Then there's another kind of human being that is either patient enough or open enough to say, you know what, I can see from going you know, through these repetitious, boring scales, I can see from here to the future that you're envisioning for me. And, and it's so much easier to teach people who have that outlook than it is to teach people who feel like, ah, I, you know, I just can't, I can't do this. I'm, I'm never going to be a leader. What's your view about the, the, the kinds of people who are easy to move forward and those who aren't? And how can you help more people? Yeah, there, there's a big divide. I, I tend not to say it as there's different types of people because I don't want the people who are of the second type that you described yeah. to feel that they can't get out of that. That's true. That's if true. If they do have an experience, I think a lot of people mm-hmm. in leadership, I think a lot of people get hit with some leadership problem early in life that's too big for them to handle. Uh-huh. It blows them out of the water and they think, I just can't do it. Yeah. And then there are others who maybe early in life, they get some small leadership challenge by luck or by chance or ideally you know, like from a parent. Yeah. or a teacher, and they give them something that they can handle. Mm-hmm. And by virtue of solving that, 
the next one that comes, hopefully, if it's if it's just by chance, it's very lucky. But if you have a teacher, a mentor, or a parent that can give you a challenge that builds on the first one, mm-hmm. you know, then you get your medium challenge and you get your medium skills. And eventually you get the really big challenges. That way, I think the people who are in the first camp probably got, by luck or mentorship or whatever, yep. a small one that they could build and then a bigger one and a bigger one and a bigger one. And kind, of others, a le- kind of a learned... Learned optimism that that they can do this, right? Yeah, yeah. And anyone, I think that anyone who builds the skills up will eventually be able to do it. Mm-hmm. I think there's also another type, which is most people. I, I don't think I don't. I'm not. A, I'm not a father. Mm-hmm. I don't think you can prepare. I don't think you can read enough books or watch enough videos or take enough classes to learn how to be a parent. Mm-hmm. And yet, the baby's born. Suddenly, you have these incredible responsibilities, yeah. and people handle it. So sometimes mm-hmm. it gets just thrust on you and there's nothing you can do and you must and you're going to do whatever it takes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so there are people like that too. But I think anyone's capable of it. Mm-hmm. Tell, tell us about, about your focus on the environment. Um, why it, for you, is such an important topic. What it's meant for your life. Why it makes you come alive. Tell us a little bit about the environment. Yeah, so there's, I mean, I gave the groundwork of always this appreciation for nature. Yeah, And then once you know things like the conservation of energy, I know that any time that I'm using energy and I'm tapped into the grid, it's causing fossil fuels to be burned somewhere. Mm. And so I, I have this, you know, this one I haven't talked about so much. In grade school, maybe third, fourth, fifth grade, we learned about the U.S. Constitution. Mm. And there was this interesting thing that, I forget which part of it is, article, something, section, whatever. Mm-hmm. It says there's state laws, there are federal laws, and the federal laws supersede the state laws. Okay. And the Constitution is the highest law of the land. Oh, wait, but it says foreign treaties are more, are higher up than the Constitution. Really? And I thought, that's weird. We're our own thing. Yeah. Why would another country have a say in that? Mm-hmm. And then I realized a treaty is not worth anything if you don't, if no one thinks you're going to honor it. So... It's a very serious thing to adopt a, a, a treaty, Senate, everything has to go through. And that became pivotal for me because before that, I don't know what I thought before that, but after I thought, you've got to have a word that, you, your word has to mean something mm-hmm. if you want to interact with people, if you want them to trust you. And the environment to me is, every, you know, if I make my apartment messy, no problem. Yeah. You don't breathe my apartment, but you do breathe the same air that I do. Mm. And there's no way around that. We have the same oceans, rivers, lakes, streams, and, and air, and land. Mm-hmm. And to me, it's really about, the, there's a golden rule here, you know, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And we can't stop ourselves from affecting each other through the environment. Mm. And all of human history, we could always, if we messed someplace up, we could move to the next one. Mm-hmm. Not so much if you mess up the whole world, right? <laughs> yeah. And before, if you drop something on the ground, it was wood or whatever, it, it, it decayed. Yeah. Plastic doesn't decay. And, and I mean, it decays on the scale of 500 years. That's, mm. not, that's not in our lifetimes. Mm-hmm. And so there's, on the one hand, oh, I, okay, so this is this problem that, like, over the course of my lifetime, when I was a kid, we knew about global warming. Mm. We knew the sea levels were going to rise. Mm-hmm. Everyone knew. You could doubt it, though. Maybe we'll get out of it. Now that's not the case. It's, yeah. and, and it's going to be compounded with the plastic, with the mercury, and all these overfishing and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. 
Now, there's a flip side. As I saw the stuff getting more important, I thought, well, I hope someone does something about it. Mm-hmm. And then I started doing stuff myself. So I gave myself this challenge. Could I go for a week without buying any package? This didn't come out of nowhere because mm-hmm. I've been vegetarian for a long time. I stopped eating hydrogenated oil. I stopped eating corn syrup. Mm-hmm. Those were all things that affected me only. Mm-hmm. But my garbage affected others. Mm. So I thought, could I go for a week without packaging? And there's a whole story to that. Mm-hmm. I made it two and a half weeks with, without buying any packaged food. Uh-huh. I finished what was in my cupboards and stuff, but I didn't buy anything new. Mm-hmm. I thought it was going to be horrible. I thought, but that's the good stuff. I, I, I'm going to have much less variety. Mm-hmm. On the contrary, I, once I learned to cook from scratch, vegetables and fresh fruits and vegetables are way better. <laughs> but it had to only after mm-hmm. two things. You have to let your taste buds recover. Mm-hmm. And I had, to, I had to learn to cook. And now it's cheaper. It's faster. I could do this in a food desert. It's, I can do it, it. It's so much by every value relevant to food for me. It's better in every way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And as we were recording this, it's mm-hmm. October 2019. Mm-hmm. The last time I threw out my garbage. Yes. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know which way I would go here. You, you tell us. <laughs> September 2018. So about 13 or 14 months now. And wow. now I used to throw it out once a week. Mm-hmm. And it took a few, you know, it's just like you practice your scales. Yep. And then eventually it was every two weeks. Mm-hmm. Practice more scales, moved up to the next more complicated, more, more expressive piece. Mm-hmm. And I learned how to like make things more from scratch and learned how to avoid other things. It took a mm-hmm. long time. Mm-hmm. There's not like a quick little thing, yeah. but then it was every month and it was every six months. And now it's, you know, a little less than once a year. Mm-hmm. It's really joyful. And wow. when I first started doing this, mm-hmm. the adjective that came to mind was delicious because mm. my food became more delicious. Mm-hmm. And my first TEDx talk is called find your delicious. Mm-hmm. The more that I did it, the more I started taking on more challenges thinking if that was delicious, this will also be delicious. Mm-hmm. And so I took on more challenges. Mm-hmm. And then it became joyful. So the verb, the adjective joy came into my, my vocabulary a lot more. Mm-hmm. And then as I did it more and more, community came into play. Mm-hmm. And now connection is the word that's coming to play. So to me, acting on your environmental values. Mm-hmm. Oh, now I'm going to put more context in it. Okay. My second TEDx talk, the one I just did two and a half weeks ago, mm-hmm. is called What Everybody Gets Wrong About the Environment. What everybody gets wrong about the environment. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And everybody thinks, as I did, Mm -hmm. that it's a burden. It's a chore. It's a distraction from what I really want to do. Mm -hmm. Like, I really want to eat whatever I want. Mm -hmm. But if I have to, I'll have a salad. I'll have something that wasn't, you know, some local food. Mm -hmm. What I found was it's really joyful. It's really delicious. Yeah. You know, you know, you, you, um, you remind me of a concept in, in positive psychology called flow. Mm-hmm. Um, Mihaly uh, Csikszentmihalyi. Yeah, Mihaly. I can never say his last name. Uh, but how did you say that? Ch- Ch- Csikszentmihalyi. I don't Csikszent- know if it's right. Yeah, Csikszentmihalyi. That's how I say it. Okay, I love that. But I just don't want to say it wrong. It just, you know. <laughs> but um, this concept of flow, you know, a lot of people ask, how do you define or describe what happiness feels like, right? Mm-hmm. It seems to me like with these words like delicious and, and joy, um, you're, you're kind of getting to a place where time stops for you, right? Like yeah. you found something that you do 
beyond the astrophysics, <laughs> beyond all the things that you have done in the past that really bring you in a place of flow. Tell us about that and, and what it takes to find that. Because not everybody's going to find, you know, being a, you know, being a vegetarian or, or the things you've, you've found to feel the same way. But how do we feel that? How do we find that feeling? Flow in particular in well, the moment? Yeah, or, or happiness. The, the, how do you arrive at something like what you've arrived at that really fulfills you in the way it does? And you, use, you use words like delicious and joy. Mm-hmm. I, I would love to use words like that for something, right? You know, I use it for my music. I've heard probably. your music, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean? So how do, we, how do we help people find that? Because it's so important in anything that we do in our lives. The short answer is my book, Initiative. <laughs> I love it. I, mean, I, I put, because there's, there's in the moment happiness and there's the enduring life um, flourishing and, and all the, like flow is a, an in the moment thing. Like while you're rock climbing, it's flow. Yeah. But to find, to have something that you jump out of bed for mm-hmm. year after year, mm-hmm. even when things are horrible, mm. to me, that is, that's what I've, I've taught. Yeah. And I, it pretty consistently happened mm-hmm. when people do the exercises in the book. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying it's the only way, mm-hmm. but it's a way that works. And I think that ha- a lot of people, they don't really know what their passions are. If I ask someone what your passions are, mm-hmm. most people, we've gone through a process of protecting our vulnerabilities. Yeah. If I fail at something the teacher assigned, well, I might get a bad grade, but no big deal. If I fail at something that I really care about, Mm-hmm. That can really hurt. And if I share what I care about, I'm open to being mocked, laughed at, manipulated. And over the years, I think enough people have been mocked. I, you know, I didn't do physics for a long time because I was mocked. Yeah. And so people protect these things. Although, result, although, now, although now, if you say you're a geek at a young age, it's cool. You know that, right? <laughs> the term geek has changed. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah. not what, now what it was then. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But go ahead. Yeah. Um, you made me think of like every now and then you'll see like Brad Pitt dressed geeky uh-huh. and he, it's a style. Yeah. It's a thing. I'm like, dude, I suffered for that. <laughs> so people protect themselves. And so the protection makes it so that you don't get hurt, yeah. but you also don't live your life. Mm. And so you have a lot of people who are like, did you catch the game last night? News, weather, sports, you know, and don't get hurt. Don't have passion. Mm. And so what I do is like, when you do these exercises, mm-hmm. actually the early steps in the book get you to start thinking of a problem in an area that's interesting to you and start working on it. Mm-hmm. And what I noticed in my classes, so this is hundreds of students have come through mm-hmm. and a lot of times they would switch topics. They would switch projects. Mm-hmm. And at first I thought I should help them get, they always like the second one more. That's why they switch. Mm-hmm. And I thought, how can I help them not pick the first one that they don't like? Mm. In time, I realized I don't know what's inside them. And in fact, it's one of the social emotional skills is to learn what these passions are. Mm-hmm. So they go through this process of if they pick one, often it's because what their parents want them to do or it's what's popular or they think mm-hmm. this will make them rich. But, and then they start realizing these exercises help. They're going to succeed at this. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they get lucky. They pick something right off the bat and they're like, great. But most of the time, they realize, wait a minute, if I succeed at this, I'm going to have to do it. But I don't want to do this. Yeah. And then another part of them is thinking, wait a minute, if I can succeed at what I want to do, usually it's this weird buried thing that was actually there when they were five. 
or maybe mm. five years before. Mm-hmm. And they think, if I succeed, I want to succeed at that. Yeah. And so they come to me and they say, Josh, wait a minute, can I, I can do that. I can do that social work thing, or I could do that writing thing, or I could do that thing where I, you know, I don't know. It's their thing. Yeah. And I say, yeah, you could do that. In fact, I want you to do that. Mm-hmm. And suddenly the rule in the class is there's 10 exercises. And if you switch, you can switch anytime you want, but you have to start from exercise one and do them all through. Cause mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. if you, you got it, you got it. I don't want holes in the, in the foundation. Yeah. Sometimes I switch in the eighth exercise and it was a week per exercise mm-hmm. when they redo it. They do it all in one week. They, they can like do the all eight exercises leading up to there really quickly because when you're passionate about it, mm-hmm. you're not doing it because I suggested mm-hmm. you're doing it because you can actually help these people. I'm in New York City. Sorry about the siren in the background. Yeah, you're in, in Greenwich Village, right? You said? Yeah. Okay. And when people switch to one that they love, mm-hmm. and I believe that the only way you can do that is through practice. You mm. can sit and do all the, you know, you can take these quizzes and HR can say, this is what you're designed for. Yeah, yeah. That will not, that's how you feel when you're answering multiple choice questions. Mm-hmm. And only by doing can you find this out. And, I, and, but, but it is only by doing. Yeah. I mean, yeah. these exercises focus you into doing something that will get you trying something. Mm-hmm. And you will, if you're doing something you don't like, two things will happen. One is you'll start getting sick of it. <laughs> and the other thing is it will, it will make the next thing, what you really care about, mm-hmm. so clear. Mm-hmm. And you will not look back. So some people might think, well, I still only want to work on the, the thing I love. How mm-hmm. can I skip that early one? Yeah. You will not look back. I think I hear in them, they feel like, I don't want to wake up married with a kid and a mortgage and realize <laughs> it's the wrong person. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Marriage, make sure. Yeah. It doesn't work that way here. You don't look back with regret. You look back with gratitude mm-hmm. at the time you spent doing the thing. And you're like, I did X, but I don't like X. And I really like Y. When you get to Y, you look back at X and like, that's what I needed to get here. I needed yes. that. Yes. You, you know, one of the things that um, I, I want to bring to light is that your method in, in the book Initiative is, is widely um, praised. Um, and, and one of the people that, is, that has praised your book is Daniel Pink. Uh, and for anybody who's, who's alive, <laughs> who's in our field, uh, you want to know about Daniel Pink. He's the author of, of Drive, for example, the book Drive. And he said, I want to read something he said. He said that by taking initiative, the title of your book, we can connect with our passions and with people who can nurture those passions into actionable ideas, ideas that make money or create happiness, right? Or maybe even change the world. So even Daniel Pink made a connection to happiness, right? From your work. Yeah. Could you tell us a little bit about the, the happiness angle that your work can support uh, in life and in business? Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about another great author. Mm-hmm. Uh, David Allen, who wrote Getting Things Done. Mm-hmm. And I met him a long time before. I, m- I-, I met him after reading his book. Okay. And his book, at the time, this is like 15 years ago, it was a very popular book. And it's about productivity and efficiency. Mm-hmm. And I was at a book launch and he was there. I was talking to him. I didn't realize it was him. I was just talking to some guy. Yeah. And then he says, David Allen wrote Getting Things Done. Oh, I said, oh, I read your book. Mm-hmm. And I was very bold. And I said, as much as people around me all loved it. I felt like I got things done. I thought I worked on my priorities and I thought I'm pretty productive and efficient. Yeah. 
And he says, yeah, yeah, okay. That's what they put on the title because they mm -hmm. want to sell books, on, on the cover because they want to sell books. Mm -hmm. The book is not really about productivity and efficiency. Mm -hmm. Really, it's about mental freedom. If wow. you have something on your mind, mm -hmm. like if you and I are talking now and I'm thinking, I got a call in half an hour and I better make sure, then 25 minutes from now, my mind is totally preoccupied on like, make sure I don't go over. Yeah. Which is why I don't have anything scheduled after this. Yeah, okay. And if you have, his systems give you mental freedom. Mm. And I reread the book and started putting it into practice. I was like, oh my God, this is, the book is way better than I thought. Mm -hmm. My book, I had to fight with my publisher to keep the word entrepreneurship off the cover because it is for entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. But also, there's many other ways to take initiative. A lot of people read this stuff. They get promoted. They get more, they get more projects at work. They get mm -hmm. more responsibilities. This one guy just wrote and said, his CEO just gave him a whole, I was about to curse, a whole <laughs> darn division. Yeah, a whole darn division. I mean, a whole division yeah. just from doing this stuff. Mm -hmm. And uh, my book is about passion. Mm. My book is about how to create what, what's a systematic approach that if you do it in your life, mm -hmm. you're, you will unearth your passions. They're covered over in all this dust and dirt. Yeah. And when they come out, I can't say happiness will come out. Happiness is one of the things. I mean, happiness, there's a lot of, there's happiness, there's passion, mm -hmm. there's joy, there's satisfaction, there's fulfillment. So all of these things come together. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people use happiness to mean all of that. Yeah. And if that's what, if, if, if we use happiness in that sense, it will come. Happiness will come. It's a mix, in my experience, of what's inside you, what makes you happy, overlaps a lot with what, what makes, happy, make, makes me happy. Mm -hmm. But I imagine you have some like bloody fingertips or at one point did from playing the guitar. Yeah. <laughs> and for me, I had lonely nights in the, in the library when I was learning the equations and so forth. But now when I work with nature, I know it really yeah. well. Mm -hmm. And when, the sci when new science comes out, I can understand what's going on. Mm -hmm. Not like I have to struggle. Yeah. And everyone out there yeah. who's hearing our voices, mm -hmm. there's something that is perfect for them. Mm. No one can hand it to them. They can't read their way into it. They can't, there are not enough TEDx videos or TED videos to get there. Mm. You, have to do, you have to do the work. Yeah. yeah. And it's not obvious when you're playing scales that when you're in Carnegie Hall stage mm -hmm. or whatever stage you want to be on, mm -hmm. that the freedom that will come from acting like a robot, but nothing else will do it. There's no one who's made Carnegie Hall stage or whatever Without, go, without going through those processes. Yeah, and yeah. it works every time. That's the thing about it. It's hard. The, the, the sensations of, of the feeling of you will, I guarantee mm -hmm. you will feel. I've been at the six months. I'm worse off than when I started. I shouldn't even have started. Yeah. <laughs> you will feel, oh, my God, I just bombed in front of the most important person. There's no, there's no, I, it's over. Yeah, yeah. That's a social emotional skill of the many that you will learn to face by doing it. Yeah. You know, um, if we were to find a way to boil down to our top three uh, nuggets of advice from, from Joshua, from your book initiative about, let's just say about how to find your best life, your passion and all the things you do, the environment, the leadership training, what would your top three pieces of advice be for, for your target audience? I can't help but do the exercise in the book. <laughs> do I mean, the exercise. You I know what? I, I'm going to write that down. Do the exercises. <laughs> yeah. I mean, 
if you want to play piano, you got to play the scales. If you exactly. want to be great at at, uh, at tennis, you know, you got to dribble a lot. Mm-hmm. Actually, one of my favorite videos on YouTube is uh, it's LeBron James practicing for an hour. Uh-huh. It's totally boring. Yeah, it makes like seems to make no sense. <laughs> oh, you've seen it, and there's there's one of Steve Nash I really like too. He's and Steve Nash is he's talking to the camera, so it's a little more interesting yeah. to watch. Yeah, I've seen LeBron play. Mm-hmm. Holy cow! <laughs> I mean, it's unbelievable, right? Except that, how does he get there? He doesn't practice crazy spin moves. He mm. practices the basics. Yeah, the fundamentals. Yeah, yeah. And every, when I took dance lessons, and I'm not a great dancer, mm-hmm. I go to the teacher. I was like, salsa is like all those crazy spin moves. I want to do the spin moves. Yeah. And the answer is always footwork. Listen to the beat. Listen to the mm-hmm. rhythm. Yeah. I was like, I know that's what you said in the first class, but now I'm up to the new stuff. And they're like, no. Yeah. Listen yeah. to the, it's like listen to the beat. Listen to the rhythm. It's all in the feet. Mm-hmm. And not that I'm a great dancer, but eventually you realize, yeah, stick with the basics. Yeah. And another, if that, if if play, if practice the basics is the first one. Mm-hmm. Another one is that all these skills you can learn. Everyone who has them learn them too. No mm-hmm. one was born. Martin Luther King was not born. It's not like he popped out like I have a dream. Yeah. That came from years and years of practicing the basics. But also, I recommend adopting the mindset. If someone has a skill, if someone can do something that you don't, you can't, but you'd like to, mm-hmm. they learned it, you can learn it. Yeah. And it's not reading their book unless you also practice. I would recommend going to that person or someone who has those things. Mm-hmm. I noticed you have X. How did you get that? Yeah. How can I get X? Yeah. You know, you know, you know, you know it's interesting on that note. Um, you know, I was given this very powerful name, Pele, which is named after the like the greatest soccer player in the world. Guess what? I can't play soccer to save my life. Like, don't put me in front of uh, uh, two goals because I'll score in the wrong one. Okay, uh-huh. <laughs> but you know, sometimes, as you've said, we we could go to that person, and it, you may not learn from that person how to become the best soccer player, but you could learn the principles of practice, right? Like, you know, mm-hmm. they, someone once asked. Pele, how did you become such a great soccer player? He said, everything is practice. Mm-hmm. Everything is practice. So I actually learned not to be a soccer player, but I learned, you know, to use my fingers and, and to, to, to do practice in other areas. So I love your point about the basics. It transfers into any skill set. It doesn't have to be LeBron James or, or Pele. You know, it can yeah. be, you know, actually, leadership. My, my, my first book, my leadership book begins with, did you ever notice how many great leaders come from acting and from sports mm-hmm. and look you might not like ronald reagan maybe you love him he was a football player and he was an actor he's an actor yeah and, and over like there's there's way over representation and also from the military another practic, practical field yeah and it's not by accident mm-hmm. and there's very few politicians who then become actors that never happens <laughs> it's usually the other way around <laughs> which tells me there's something more fundamental in learning to perform Mm. And you know, I'm, you know that like a musician can talk to a sculptor, and mm-hmm. they can talk. Mm-hmm. You know, the the musician doesn't know how to sculpt, and the sculptor doesn't know how to play music, mm-hmm. but they can talk. They, there's something there. Yes. Yeah. And, in fact, in fact, your contextualization of of your your teaching, even on this podcast around my music, is evidence of your great teaching because. You know I'm a musician, so you speak in my language, and I can understand when you talk about practice, you use scales and you you know all these different things because you know I would get that. So I'm watching and I'm learning from even your contextualization here, uh, your teaching style. It's it's a lot of fun to to go with you on this journey. (laughs) 
Well, you, I mean, you bring this out. It's, <laughs> I, I mean, I can also like be unhappy too. You, you want, ask me about the time that the company was almost bankrupt and then I'll cry. Oh, oh yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Okay. We don't want to go there right now. Right. <laughs> and you know, the third one is I'm just go back and play some more basics. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you want to go into, if you want to go into business, mm-hmm. my books are pretty good for that. Mm-hmm. If you want to go into whatever field you want to go into, mm-hmm. find the, find the practice, mm-hmm. find the, the, the basics for you to practice. Yeah. And you know, one of the reasons why business school didn't teach me that well mm-hmm. was that my professors of leadership, they, if you look at what they, the content of what they taught, mm-hmm. it was social and emotional skills. Mm-hmm. But if you looked at their training, it's publish or perish. They learned publish. They learned give colloquia. Yeah. They learned, they practiced the basics of academic stuff. So they're great at academic stuff. Yeah. It's rare that a professor goes off and, and starts a project. It's mm-hmm. rare that a professor becomes a political leader mm. or a leader of any sort, except in the classroom. Yeah. And in the classroom, classrooms are very authoritarian. You know, there's this grade that gives you, you know, I don't teach that way. Yeah. But that's why they're not effective at teaching leadership practice and skills and experience mm-hmm. because they don't have it themselves. They have great experience in something irrelevant to most of our lives. Yeah. And that's wow. what they teach, sadly. You know, we, as you can tell, uh, we could talk about practice <laughs> for quite a while because we're both passionate about that. But um, how do people get a hold of you if they want to either get your book or learn the exercises, become a part of your your ecosystem. What's the best way to get a hold of Joshua Spodek? It's all at joshuaspodek.com. Okay. And so in the upper right corner, mm-hmm. there is books. So you can read about all my books and you can get the chapters and um, to preview. Mm-hmm. And the podcast is in the upper right corner and there's contact connect. So you can okay. contact me and email me mm-hmm. and it links to all the social media stuff. And, and we, we also have links. We'll have links to your, your, face, um, your LinkedIn as well. Uh, and Facebook and so on uh, in the show notes here. So I appreciate that. I'm All not right. very active on Facebook. I don't like. You, yeah, that, you're not on Facebook as much. Okay, well, that, that LinkedIn for happiness. sure. That doesn't bring you happiness. Yeah. <laughs> LinkedIn for sure, and yeah. and your website joshuaspodek.com, correct? Yes. I I just want to encourage everyone to read your book Initiative. I I I believe you've really hit the nail on the head. Um, it, if you want anything, um you've got to practice the basics in order to get there. And whether it's an astrophysics or a brain-based approach that makes it happen, just do the exercises. It'll get you there. <laughs> yeah. And expect it's going to be hard. It's going to be harder than you expect. And it's going to be, but however hard it is, the reward is way beyond that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Joshua, for being a part of our podcast today. really appreciate talking to you. I'm glad to be here. And I'm, I'm going to go back to listening to music after we're finished. Thanks so much. All right. Have a wonderful day, okay? You too. All right. Bye-bye. Thanks for tuning in to the I Got Happy podcast. For more episodes, visit drpalay.com. And remember, get happy first and success will follow.